Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to this special report today with a special guest. And our co-host is Daniel McAdams. Good morning, Dr. Paul. And How are you? are glad to be here I'm on this interview. You, I'm glad yes. for our guest we, being here, yeah. We, we've tested him at a few conferences, oh, yeah. and we've tested it. He always does real he well, does, doesn't he? He, he does. comes in. Gerald, uh, Gerald Salani is with us, and uh, he has a magazine uh, that call, t- talks about trends. He likes to talk not only about the, what has happened to our country, what's going on, but where, what you might anticipate. Gerald, welcome to our program today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a true honor to be on with with both of you. uh, So thank you so much. I want to ask a couple of questions that are general, just for my information. You know, your magazine's called called Trends. You're you're recognized because you put especially emphasis on that at the beginning of a year. And uh, evidently you do a pretty good job because you've been around a few years doing this and people keep coming back to you. But I want to ask you about the difference between identifying and talking about a trend versus a uh, you know a precise forecast because well I know a lot of investment people like to read your stuff and and uh, and I, th- I think there is a difference because uh, one's you know making precise investments and uh, Austrian economics talks a little bit about but just tell me how you look at that there do you do you agree that there is a little bit of difference between trends versus saying you know next week gold's going to be five hundred thousand dollars or whatever yeah, what we do is we, we, we identify the trends and then we give the forecast. So this is the trend that's developing. This is why we see it happening. And this is where we see it going. And what we do is I'm, I'm a political atheist. I don't believe in a system. I look at things for the way they are and not the way I want them to be. And um, so in, in looking at trends, you, you have to look at the world. So, for example, you got the war going on now, the uh, Israel war. I go to Haaretz, the Israeli newspapers, uh, uh, Times of Israel. I go to Jerusalem Post, as well as going to the Iranian newspapers, uh, uh, Tehran News, ISNA, IRNA, and Al Jazeera, and the American press, the Western press, Euro News. So, what? What in, in in looking at the trends? You have to look at the world and not, and again, just take the information and then you give your forecasts. This is our analysis of what they're saying, and this is where we see it going. Okay, do you have one special bit of information as far as trends for the moment, for the beginning of this year? Is there one more outstanding trend that you want the viewers to hear about? Well, people are interested in, there are two of them one of them on the on the economic front we're going to go through an economic crisis this year the likes of which we've never seen before let's go back to march of last year oh the silicon valley bank bust the uh, first republic that's nothing when they locked down everything during the covid war three over three years ago we forecast an office building bust people are not going back to work your office occupancy rate, according to Castle Systems with a K, is 50%. Wow. Your office vacancy rate, meaning empty buildings, 20%. How are the people that own these buildings are gonna pay their loans? Oh, and their loans are revolving loans. They gotta repay them as interest rates went way up. They bought this stuff at very low interest rates. 
you're going to see a banking crisis the likes of which he's never seen before. And no one, no one, no one is talking about it in the major media. Hmm. They're totally silent about it. And then you put the big picture together, and this is where you go with trends. How about all the businesses that used to depend on commuters? The delicatessens, the restaurants, the shoe shops, the hairdressers, on and on and on and on. But finito. Oh, how about all the bus companies going out of business because less and less people are commuting? Mm-hmm. And, and this is, again, what happened was when people were forced to stay home day after day, week after week, year after year, they're saying to themselves, holy Christ, I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to commute an hour and a half each way. And it's costing me all this money. I'm not going to do it anymore. Then you got the guy or people that own the, the, the tenants and they say, you know, listen, stay home a couple of days a week. Only come in two days, three days a week. I don't need all this space. They're mm-hmm. sitting in cubicles over here. I don't see them every day. I'll save a lot of money. No one is talking about this. We're going to see a banking bust, the likes of which we've never seen in modern history. Gerald, that's, that's enough for now. I don't know. But you did have two items. So what's your second one? Well, unfortunately, it's World War III. Mm. It's already begun. And um, it began with the Ukraine war. It was one of the covers of our Trends Journal magazine. It said from COVID war to Ukraine war to world war. And now the Israel war. And not my language, but language, again, we put the language that they're talking about. They're ramping it up. They're bombs away in in Lebanon, bombs away in Syria, Israel is doing, which they've been doing for a long time. But now it's escalating in Lebanon, and now Hezbollah is going to get involved in it. And people forget that Hezbollah beat the Israelis and threw them out of Lebanon. But we don't, nobody talks about that. And now what happened just in the last couple of weeks? Over a hundred, almost a hundred people died in blasts for a ceremony of Soleimani, the former Iranian general that was killed under the, by, by the Trump administration in 2020 when he was in Iraq, quote, for peace talks. And there was a ceremony that people got blown up. Iran is blaming it on Israel. And then a few weeks ago, the Israelis wiped out another Iranian commander. If this war, if Iran, oh, and then you got the Houthis over there, you know, stopping ships going into into Israel in the Red Sea, and 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 other shipping companies changing the routes, so it's bringing up inflation, costing more. If Iran gets involved in this war, it's going to become official. Look, you know the story. One of my sayings is, when all else fails, they take you to war. What followed? the Great Depression, World War II. And again, I tell everybody, go to history today, put up, Franklin Roosevelt put sanctions on Japan. He seized all Japanese assets in America in July of 1941, Pearl Harbor's in December. Why did he seize them? Again, not my language, history today, mainstream. Those dirty Japanese, you know what they did? They invaded French Indochina. <laughs> French Indochina? What the hell are the French doing in Cambodia, Laos, and, and, and Vietnam? And they're calling it Indochina, French? Oh, they're stealing their rubber, their tin, rape, robbing, pillage. How dare the Japanese go in there? And then the British and the Dutch 
put sanctions on Japan where they lost, again, history today, three quarters of their global trade and 88% of their imported oil. <laughs> they only import 100%. Can't understand why they bombed, bombed uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. What I'm saying is the wars go on. They only become, quote, official at a flashpoint. Right. Uh, I believe Daniel has a question for you, Gerald. Well, I want to thank you for joining us, Gerald. You spoke at many of our conferences and always really delighted the audience. I'll remind our audience that your magazine is Trends Journal. Uh, you should subscribe to it if you're not already subscribed to it. Gerald is on uh, Twitter X, at Gerald Salenti, so give him a follow. It's always provocative, Gerald. We've been following you for, what, 15 or 20 years now at least. Uh, so it's always great to talk to you. Now, it's interesting how you trace this timeline because we've noticed it as well. It started with COVID, then it went to Ukraine. It's like, I can't believe they're doing this on COVID. Then Ukraine, I can't believe they're doing this. And now we're in the Middle East. I can't believe they're doing this. And it seems completely bizarre because it seems pretty obvious to people who are paying attention. I know you do, Gerald that things are not going very well for the Israeli army in Gaza. They're, they're pretty good at bombing civilians, but they have been very good against Hamas. And now they're pulling out. I think they pulled out a few brigades uh, just today. So you're losing the fight against Hamas. And so what do you do? Apparently, it seems to us, you escalate. And I think that's why Blinken was over there begging them not to take on Hezbollah after losing to Hamas. They're escalating, as you point out, to, to include uh, Hezbollah and even if there is some involvement, which either directly or by proxy with the Iranian terrorist attack. So how can you explain to us what's going on if you're losing a battle with Hamas and then you decide to escalate into a world war? You got maniacs in charge. <laughs> Simple <laughs> answer. <laughs> I mean, again, when I say that all else, when all else fails, they take you to war, people have no idea of the 39 weeks, 39 weeks of hundreds of thousands of Israelis taking to the streets in protests of Netanyahu's Judicial Reform Act. Netanyahu becomes prime minister again, what is it, six times, 20 years this guy, get in and out in, in December of 2022. Not my language from the mainstream media, his government is extreme right wing. They are, they, they're raiding mosques, killing people in the West Bank. Anyway, the protests are going on for 39 weeks. Not my language. The language from that arrogant guy, the president of Israel, Isaac Herzog. During these protests, Israel is in a civil war. That's right. Well, Israel was in a civil war up until Hamas attacked on October 7th. Everybody forgot about that. Oh, by the way, this is the same, when I say arrogant, Isaac Herzog, as they keep stealing land under the name of, quote, settlements in violation of the Geneva Conventions in Article 242 of the United Nations. You know why they could do it, according to Herzog? God gave us this land. <laughs> Which I would say to him, go F yourself. What if I don't believe in your God? Could you handle that? <laughs> yeah, so this has been going on. Now, now it's coming out, matter of fact, from Max Blumenthal, that they just heard from 
what was going on with Netanyahu and his, and his uh, companions over there, that they're going to keep this thing going. <laughs> they're going to keep escalating it. They said, Netanyahu says, I can't stop it. The coalition behind me wants to keep it going. That's the language that they're saying. Right. Joe, you, you mentioned a lot about what we're facing economically in your opening statement. And uh, there, there was one trend that I, got it pay, I started paying attention to, and that is when I first started reading about uh, monetary policy, of course, back in August when Nixon, you know, severed our dollar from uh, uh, gold, that we would expect problems, and we have, and there's been a lot of dire predictions. Now, do you ever get surprised because you have a good handle on the terrible things happening and the momentum and the trends, but are you ever surprised that it's held together to some degree for so long? Because in, in some ways it doesn't seem to deserve it, but I, then again, we can't make those predictions on what people might do, and evidently the people are tolerate, tolerating us more than we thought. But I also, I think, agree with what you're proposing is it's, uh, it's no matter what, it's coming to end. But have you ever been surprised that some of these events continue longer than you would have anticipated? Absolutely. As I say, nobody could predict the future. There are too many wild cards, whether they're made by humans or, or nature. So let's go back. I believed, again, I call the, you know, the facts are there. You know, there were my books in the magazine. I call the 1987 stock market crash the the Asian currency crisis, the dot-com bust. I took out the domain name, Panic of 08, in, in 2007. I thought the markets would crash again in 2012. They didn't teach me about, in Economics 101 or graduate <laughs> school, about quantitative easing or zero interest rate policy. <laughs> They'll make up anything. It's a crime syndicate that people call the government. You know, one of the covers of the Trends Journal, I think I find it over here, that we came up with a while ago. I don't know where it is. But anyway, it's um, here. Is this it? No. It's uh, Jesus Christ chasing the money changers out of the temple. Here it is. Yeah. But they changed. It's a Goldman Sachs gang, <laughs> Citibank. I mean, who could have imagined back in 2007, 2008, that your favorite group that you love so much, the <laughs> Federal Reserve, would dump in $29 trillion to bail them out. Oh, that's not my number. That's the number from the Levy Institute at Bard College. So they'll make up anything to keep it going. <laughs> Daniel? <laughs> well, let's switch gears a little bit. We're kind of hitting you from both sides, Gerald. but. Let's move over to the presidential campaign. It's a fascinating thing to watch. My colleague at the Ron Paul Institute, Adam Dick, wrote a piece for us the other day saying we're facing the prospect of having the two main contenders for the president never having debated at all, either each other, which is probably going to be the case, or any of their challengers. Is this the weirdest election season or what? And what do you make of it? It is the weirdest election season. And what's very important about it is they only report mostly the polls that Trump could beat Biden. They don't look at the polls that the people don't want either one of them. <laughs> look at the freak show that we have. We call it a presidential reality show. That's all it is. 
It's made for TV. The people don't like either of them. And what is so disturbing to me that we've had these two-party gang, again, I call them a crime syndicate, because by their deeds you shall know them. They're murderers and thieves. How many more wars do they have to start and kill and steal our money? How much more of our tax money do they have to give to the bigs and to their friends and, again, the bailouts? We haven't had a third party since when? Uh, before Lincoln? That really had any kind of movement? The same gang has been running this show forever. And so there's no freedom in this. This is, this is the end, as I see it, of the end of America. It's the beginning of the very end because, again, all things are connected. You look at how the EU went, uh, uh, the, uh, the UK went down. It was all their wars. And after World War I, what the, the the pound went bust and the dollar came up now it's america's been fighting all those wars and now you're going to see the dollar again all things are connected the dollar is going to go down as they lower interest rates this isn't rocket science the dollar is only strong because of high interest rates when the interest rates go down it's going to begin the beginning of the death of the dollar when the dollar dies you're going to see America die with it. So we're, we have become the country that our founding fathers hated and fought against, Great Britain. We became that. Because in the same aspect, they have His Majesty's government. What is Majesty? The guy doesn't pee or poo. What was it about? His Majesty. We got the same thing. Every time these clowns go out, the president roll out the red carpet. And what's the matter? You can't, we got to walk on a red carpet. Everybody's saluting them. And we'll tell you what to do. Your freedom is gone. America's going down when the dollar dies. And you're going to see the dollar die. Again, connect it. Look, how many more countries just joined the BRICS? Five more? You know, you used a term that caught my attention. You talked about the government and referred to them as a crime syndicate. And that's, that's pretty good. But you have to realize that's made our job easy because, you know, for most of us, sorting out the truth from the lying uh, is a job. But the job has been made easy because now if anything is said or related to any report, whether even the weather reports now are, are all biased, uh, you know, in one direction. But uh, so we can assume that they're telling a lie. And, and that uh, that's, seems to be unfair, but I think it's more accurate than saying, well, you know, in a free country and most people are honest, therefore we're going to hear the truth uh, from, from, uh, from the government. I think we hear the truth from the people we trust, and there are still a lot of people like that. But not the people that weasel their way into government, because then when they speak for the government, we can see the results of what's going on right, right now. But, you know, I think this whole lying business is a big deal because they get to the point, and I like to use the word nihilistic and nihilism, because they, it's like a religion. Uh, they, they don't even seek, nor do they believe it exists. And, you know, they don't have to worry about it. And I can remember as a kid that I couldn't understand communism. And they said, well, they, they, don't believe, they believe the party determines the truth. 
And that helped me guide me along because we live in an age now where the people sort of go along with this, but I still think there's a remnant out there that you try to stir up at times. And I think uh, that's the only thing that we can do, at least make an effort to expose, uh, you, you know, the syndicate on what they're and how they're treating us. Look, you know, you, you know we talk about, the, the again, the, what I call the presidential reality show. By the way, we own that trademark. <laughs> You're the last person that I voted for for president. <laughs> I'm serious. I wouldn't vote. And, and how could people be so stupid to say they vote for a lesser of two evils? Evil is evil. There's no such thing as a lesser. Uh, that's like saying almost pregnant. <laughs> you know, it, it, how, but that shows you how bad the situation is. That, that we don't have alternatives to choose from. And again, you talked about the media. I used to be on everybody. I used to be on Oprah, the Today Show, Good Morning, everybody all the time. There's no journalism left anymore. Again, don't believe me. Look at what we write about in the magazine. All the, all the, all the, the bigs took over all of the, all of the newspapers. You, you remember, every time he got caught with his pants down, Bill Clinton bombs away over Baghdad, the guy that gave us the 1996 Federal Communications Act. That let the bigs take over everything. So what do you have now? Every day, every when they they fired over almost three thousand journalists, quote journalists, last year. You're looking at two point five local newspapers closing every week. Wow. There is no news anymore. Again, I call the people that they call, you know, in news, I call them prostitutes. Media whores that get paid to put out by their corporate pimps and government whoremasters. And that's all they are. There's no freedom. Of, how many people are on any of these shows speaking about peace? How many? How many? Instead, they put that clown, that Lindsey Graham, on over and over and over and over. And all he does is promote war. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> Pretty bad. Well, speaking of our esteemed institutions, Gerald, let's move to Congress. <laughs> um, hey, wait a minute. I used to be in there. <laughs> yeah, it's gone downhill since you left, that's for sure, uh, with a few exceptions. Um, but, uh, and let's talk a little bit about Ukraine. As we know, uh, we've already given $130 billion, just a you know, chump change. But uh, Biden wants another $100 billion. He wants to give most of it to Ukraine, a little bit to Israel, a little bit to Taiwan. Um, it's, been, uh, it's been held up. Uh, by Mike Johnson, apparently or supposedly because they want some uh, uh, tightening up of the borders. Um, we on this show have su suggested that they're, he really wants to give the money, but he's looking for an excuse. What do you make of it? Do you think they'll get the money? What is it going to look like? And what's the end game in Ukraine? All right. First of all, you mentioned Mike Johnson. Again, look at that little clown boy of nothing. <laughs> look at him. And now, of course, he's going to give them money. It, there's no question about it. They'll do it. The military industrial complex is in charge. And again, that's not from me. That's from Dwight D. Eisenhower, five-star president, Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces. The Ukraine war, we said they would lose before the war began. Again, this isn't rocket scientists. Once upon a time, there was a guy by the name of Napoleon leaves Poland with 420,000 troops to attack Moscow. This is his famous chart. He comes back with 10,000. Huh. Once upon a time, not too long ago, there was a guy by the name of Adolf Hitler, launches Operation Barbarossa, kills over 
20 million Russians. Who were the first to defeat the Germans? The Russians. So how could you be so stupid, anybody, to think that Ukraine's going to defeat Russia? And Russia has more advanced weaponry than the United States, the hypersonic missiles, etc. And they're, so they're not going to lose. Going back, what, when we talk about World War III, again, we are very concerned that Ukraine, again, we, we said, you look at the covers of the magazine, don't count on counteroffensive. You know, we knew it wasn't going to work. And now they're finally admitting it. But anyway, they're going to be a major false flag event. Hmm. That's going to rally the people. You're going to blow up. And, and Ukraine's going to do something like blow up a nuclear power plant, do something big in Russia, whatever. And the same thing with Israel. Israel's going to drag in Iran. They're going to, and the people of the, this country think about the stupidity of over 80% of the people believing a little daddy's boy, George W. Bush, we're going to get that guy Osama bin Laden dead or alive. And we go into the Afghan war, 20 years. <laughs> they're going to do the same thing. That's our concern. There's going to be a going back to Ukraine. They lost. They're not going to win. They're going to do something radical to get back in the news. You know, oh, by the way, before he went on the air, went to CNN went to Drudge. Not one word. Not one word about the Ukraine war or the Israel war. Oh, wow. You know, but, but they're confident. That's one thing for sure. They, they believe they're invincible. And they have all these problems around the world. We're bankrupt. And, and the military-industrial complex seems to have free reign. But, you know, and I don't even think we've said the word yet. But with all that mess, what do you think they're talking about is how can we stir up more trouble in China? We're, we'd like to see China because we think these Ta Taiwanese will take care of China and wipe them off the map. Another superstition that they have. But I think that's brewing, too. It's almost like we have to have something prepared. And sometimes it has to be an emergency and uh, because the people are sick and tired of the spending. Now, they're turning. Uh, American people are turning against uh, Ukraine war and the spending. But it could be reversed with, you know, some tragedy that's going on. So who knows what will happen. But I'm just amazed at their confidence in not saying, hey, you know, folks, this, is, this isn't good politics. We're inundated and we're not winning the wars. Why are you guys talking about China? Uh, again, how could anybody think that America is going to defeat China <laughs> when they couldn't, beat, couldn't win in Iraq, Afghanistan, or Vietnam? How, can, how could, and by the way, as I said, when all else fails, they take you to war. One of the, I was saying for many number of years before China got into the World Trade Organization, you know their GDP was flat, and then they came in two weeks after 9/11, it skyrocketed, and the country overboomed, and then they launched the COVID war and they locked down the place for what three years, zero COVID policy. They destroyed the lives and livelihoods of billions of people. Again, we put the facts down. The economy is going down big time in China. It's not bouncing back. As I say, when all else fails, they take you to war. We believe Xi is going to. There's a very strong probability that he'll make a move this this year in in uh, escalating, getting Taiwan back. And again, the, as you everybody that knows about this says that you know 
Taiwan is not a free nation. I mean, it belongs to China. Again, what is going on since the Ming Dynasty? And why am I involved in it as an American? Yeah. You know, nobody knows George Washington's farewell address. This is a real man that fought, not like these little boys that are president that couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag that loved wars. His farewell address warning the American people not to get involved in any kind of, of foreign affairs. Have no love for a nation, have no hate for a nation, because if you do, you'll be a slave to them. What's none of my, this stuff has been going on for centuries. We're going to solve it? <laughs> uh, Daniel? Well, Joe, I think we're getting low on time, but there's one thing that was in your, uh, your Trends 24 issue, which I, again, urge all of our readers to subscribe and read. Uh, but you did talk about something that is in the news a lot, and we shouldn't go without mentioning it, is one of your predictions on migrants and migration. Uh, give us your take on that. It's migrant madness, and the people are mad as hell. I mean, look, at, you could see New York. It's a, it's a freak show. <laughs> I mean, I'm a New Yorker. I'm holy. I, it's all over the place, all over the place, between the homeless and, 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 the, and the refugees up there swarming in. Dr. Paul, see if, if you correct me if I'm wrong on this. Uh, when I was a kid, by the way, I remember the, my parents, may I rest in peace, they tried to get their cousin Constantino from Napoli to come. They couldn't get him in here. It was so tight to get... <laughs> people coming into the country. It changed during the Vietnam War with, with Lyndon Baines Johnson. When they're, they're drafting all the guys my age and a little older, and he was the one first changed the immigration policy. And then I wrote in my book, Trends 2000, this came out in 1996. The internet revolution begins really in around 1992, 93. They gave the H-1B visas. They needed cheap labor. They're letting this, I believe, happen because, the, again, when we were young guys, there were hardware stores, grocery stores, stationery stores, uh, drug stores. Now they're all chains. The people aren't earning anything. You go to any one of those chains and there's a sign on the door, help wanted. They can't find people to work for nothing. And I think they want these people to keep coming in so they get more and more cheap labor and they get more votes for them. That to me is what's going on. And now let's look, take a look at the world. Again, all things are connected. When they overthrew Gaddafi, he warned that you get the videos there, you get rid of me, you're going to have a refugee crisis in Europe because he was stopping them from coming in through, uh, through Libya into Europe. And that's exactly what happened. The AFD party. That guy that just won in the Netherlands. One populist party after another. If there was a, par a party in America that was a true populist party, meaning a party for the people, so I say, no, this is our country. No, you can't keep coming in. And by the way, you've got to put these trends together. It's only going to get worse because there's going to be a, a global economic catastrophe at hand. Again, not from me, the World Trade bank just came out yesterday, or the World Bank came out, uh, excuse me, on Tuesday, yeah, yesterday, that they expect the worst global economy in 30 years. So now all these countries are going down big time, and they were destroyed during the COVID war. The people are leaving because of lack of basic living standards, government corruption, crime and violence. The flood of refugees, it's only going to get worse. And again, think about it. 
You're going to win a war when you can't stop refugees from coming into your country. Gerald, I'm about to finish up, but I want to make a comment and uh, let you say, uh, give a statement uh, to close your part up. But, uh, you know, uh, at the end of, pro end of our programs, uh, Daniel and I t tend to make an attempt to, to, uh, to say something where there's an opening, there's an out. It's not in it's stone that uh, the concerns that you and I and many others have and that it can't be stopped because uh, it's, it's over. Because I think uh, that's, our, that's our job. If there is a remnant, philosophic, religious, or whatever you want to call it, of people who believe in telling the truth, it's not that complicated. All we have to have is find the people who tell truth. People will finally get fed up. I was impressed with what happened when the parents got fed up with COVID. They did speak, up, speak out. It's still a problem. But it, there, was a, there was an awakening by the people in a positive way. So I see that as pop, pop uh, you know, uh, a very beneficial. I also think our show's beneficial because we can get Salenti on here and say his piece. But I know that uh, they would like to close us down and you, they've messed around with your uh, ability to get the message out. But you're here and <clears throat> we're here and uh, it's, it's not easy sailing, but I think we have to give people uh, you know, some hope because uh, people are fed up and, and our job and you're doing a, I think, Gerald, you're doing a great job is alerting the people why you really ought to wake up. And there is something you can do. You can, you know, anything from taking care of you and your family, but you have to try to change people's attitudes and ideas. And I think that's the most important because I think what we have is a reflection of the deterioration of ideas led by the globalists and the progressives that despised a country that emphasized liberty at one time. So uh, I know it's a little risky talking about something so positive as that when we know what's really coming, but uh, it lets me sleep a little bit better. I don't want to lie awake at night. When, when are the bombs coming? And, uh, I, and I also think that uh, the, one of my personal rules is when you're dealing with these very serious ideas, that uh, we should have as much enjoyment as possible. So we, ha we really enjoy having you on our program, and we're going to get a lot of comments, and we're going to get more viewers. So th that's very positive. So, Gerald, we thank you very much for being with us today, and hopefully we can do that again. Do you care to finish up? Well, yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. I, I admire you so much. There's no, there's no man alive that I, I look up to more than you. And for what all you've done, and 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 the fight that you've had, to for the true meaning of the uh, American spirit, and I believe it could change, of course, because not my words, but by cat by the name of what Samuel Adams, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority, <laughs> keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men, and and as you said, we're out there. But we, we're, we have to unite under one party, and that party's not there with the right candidate to lead this charge. Very good. When that happens, when that happens it could change like that. Very good. It's been a great having you on the program. I want to say thank you very much to our viewers today for tuning in to this program, and please return to the Liberty Report soon. <laughs>